next topic I would like to um, to move towards to is um, Bruce Lynn ideology. Like because aesthetics always have something to do with ideology, a representation of ideology probably sometimes. So uh, how how is it with Bruce Lee and masculinity? Because I we we heard about different things, right? I, when when we prefer, uh, when I prepared for, for for this workshop, I also read text. Um, it was about uh, Bruce Lee and queerness. So Bruce Lee is somehow of a queer character. Um, also a bit of um, like good day. They they spoke about this homoerotic um, perspective on the fight um, of Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris, for example. And I don't know if 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 you uh, watch that, but I think there is a there's a video on YouTube where they like change the background music for this dance for like this uh, mellow um, sexy and they're like. <laughs> Taking off their shirts, you know, and everything. This is did like one one side of the spectrum, and then there is like on the other side there is uh, this um, this discourse on the old right and um, this um, toughness um, as masculinity, and um, both both these sides they somehow try to. Um, use Bruce Lee for, for them and argue Bruce Lee as being uh, a representative of their specific ideas. So what 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 do you think about that? Um, is, is, is one side wrong or are both wrong or are think, both right or what thing that it's in? So lots, there's lots of ways to answer, but if we think, if we just stick to the Chuck Norris Bruce Lee fight in in Waiting Dragon the Coliseum, it's just it's, if we just do like semi optics, right? One or one. Mm. denotation, connotation. Two people have to fight. You know, then we can add extra denotated like actual actual things. One is Asian, one is white, one is big, one is small, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's lots of ways you can project meanings onto that and read it in so many different ways. You can queer it, you can nationalize it, you can. You can racialize it. There might be a class thing to it. Well, for me, either for, for motility of meaning, you could say. Yeah, it's. I think it's about it, it because any t text only has meaning as far as you interact with it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the way you read it will be different to the way I read it, well, and the way someone in the late sentence read it. Um, it is, it like it is sexualized to the extent that there's the place. So when when Chuck Norris who plays Colt get off the plane scene where the camera's fixed and he walks down set and he walks right up to the camera which is a groin high cross high so actually that scene ends with him like just basically stuffing his cock into the camera now that's a deliberate like big ball american you know what i mean yeah really big bollocks as we're saying in in, in england um and bruce lee is against him he's he's self-consciously hairless he's small He's lied. He's and all this stuff, so he could sexualize it. There's a whole eroticism there, if that's if that's what you can see in it, or whether you can see it or not. There. Um, so I just think that that the te the texts are semiotically open. There's there's but then there's also the didactic thing, like the way that most martial artists read that fight is like this is Bruce Lee showing you that he can't be tied down to one style. So Chuck Norris is really rigid and he's a karateka, it's kicking, punches, block. Whereas Bruce Lee starts formal and then he be's like what mm -hmm. and then he looks a bit like he's trying to look like Muhammad Ali 
I don't know, I'm confused. And we don't, we know this. So it's like over, over coded, um, just by dint of the fact that it's a small Asian guy fighting a big, you're already going to bring some baggage to it. Um, but it's like Bruce Lee and masculinity. I think that historically Bruce Lee did a huge amount to transform the stereotypes of Chinese men in the, in the United States because the stereotype before Bruce Lee yeah. was Chinese men. They're all the same. They're all sacrifice. They came here to make the railroads. That that thing was just like, you know, every country has the stereotype of their neighbors. Yeah, Chinese stereotype. In America, it's different to the Chinese stereotype in Europe because the Chinese. What's the Chinese stereotype in in Britain? Is well, it's either a laundry or it's a, a Chinese takeaway or a restaurant because historically that reflects yeah the the economic base kind of thing. So there's. If you watch from Sydney from these different historical vantage points and geographical, then you see different things. But it is about more well, than David and Goliath. And especially in the area of the begging, you have Roper and uh, um, the Caucasian Roper and Black Kelly character, and he's the strong, and, um, which is the strongest of the three characters, so he's the strongest factor in the world as an Asian man. Yeah, when you put yourself over everybody else, the Caucasian and the yeah. Sure. So and also that I mean that's on the one hand that gesture of they wanted to cast Bruce Lee as elite, but they were scared of alienating a white audience. They knew that he was massive in Asia and that blacks and Hispanics in America would watch a film with Bruce Lee in, and they were like, okay, so they, we need a white actor though as well to be lead. And we all will have a black one there because we want to get a black audience and we all black black dollar here. Um, and so that's on the one hand really kind of culturally progressive, but also for a sole racist reason. Yeah. Uh, and it's a bit like the, the paradox of casting David Carradine in, in Kung Fu. Yeah. He's a white guy who's been orientalized up and made to look Chinese. That's outrageous on the one hand. But on the other hand, and it's one of the most sensitive treatments of the Chinese in America that, that there's ever been. Like it was an early seventies sensitive engagement with what it was like to be in America if you were Chinese. Um, so it's like it's it's got two different faces at least, doesn't it? Progressive faces. It's like yeah, it's like a move of yeah. that time. Yeah, it's similar in Ends of the Dragon, I think, with uh, with Williams, Jim, Jim Kelly, right? Yeah. He, at, at first, there is the scene where he uh, um, he encounters racism by the police, yep. right? And then, but but then you have this racist scene where where he's the guy who has the biggest sexual appetite yeah. because because he's black, obviously, and it really so, really influenced the black exploitation charts, and he had lots of big babies. Yeah, it's quite annoying, isn't it? It's fetishistic. But it's, it just does, it goes, it has one foot here and one foot here. It's almost like, what move can you make when the chessboard is like this? It's yeah. like, well, we're in this, it's like this, the world is racialized in these ways. This is the structure of visibility. This is how we think about black people. And there's the positive, there's the negative, like stereotypes at the same time. So the film, like this, this is a thing that I try to, I try to purge myself in this and stop my students from doing this. You don't go... Here's an analysis of the film. Here's End of the Dragon. Oh, there's Orientalism in it. And oh, there's racism in it. And some sexism at the end. It's like, you start there and go, 1973, Orientalism, racism, sexism. What else have we got? You know, yellow peril, fears, 
you know, all the British kind of colonial stuff. Stop from there. And then the conclusion should be judging the film and go, this film's racist, therefore it's bad. That's not what, we should just be like, what was able to happen at that time, at that conjunctural moment? And what does that tell us about the situation always? But I think there's more to it because all the martial arts films, especially Bruce Lee movies, I mean, as a woman, you know, I, I prepared for the workshop and I really listened to a lot of podcasts and I heard, you know, an endless amount of men talking about Bruce Lee movies. But there were no women involved in this. And so I think it's not only about the moment when the film was made, but it's about how it's perceived, how the audience talk about a film. And if there is no, you know, woman there to talk about the film, apart from his wife and his daughter and his goddaughter, who has the, you know, are entitled to talk about this because they are related to him in some way. Mm. So they are allowed to speak about that. I wonder what, what this tells me about me you know, engaging with those films and and talking to mostly men. I mean, the audience yesterday in the movie were men, I think, to 1890. No. You brought a lot of friends. I brought my friends, right. So, <laughs> right, I brought at least 10, 12 women to a movie screening. Exactly. But what does... But in general, what does this mean? I was... I think in the long run, end of the regular spread also, um, mm-hmm. well... Six, seven. So you have this Sinja Rothrock movie mm. with three wooden colors and uh, red, white, uh, white, uh, blue. So the patriotism thing is also, um, this is basically a copy of End of the Record, but with women. Mm. But I don't know if there was all the, the racial thing in it. Do you know the Paul? You know what movie I'm talking about? I think the latest lady. lady. Maybe. But also, we know that Edward of the Dragon is like James Bond, and um, there is uh, anybody in the James Bond community that the first Bond woman or Bond girl was equal to James Bond about the Asian woman, mm-hmm. which was Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, right. She was the first woman to... So, so what you're saying is that um, Bruce Lee, you know, made the stage for female martial artists to produce their own movies like Angela Mao, whose movies were like, you know, finished around the same time, like Lady World of Winter, Taekwondo, both of them. But in the end, like who's 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 um leading the discourse about this? Middle aged. Yeah, right. And I mean I mean middle aged white men are recharged them. Well, <laughs> so, so it's suddenly a place. Yeah, I didn't charge it up. So I got so I said, but I have a lot of middle-aged white men are talking about a martial arts film of the night. Except, <laughs> but, but also, also the young men. You know, you listen to all the movie radio podcasts. It's the youngsters who take over the inspiration from their dads, and all of them have the story. Oh, I was only twelve, and my dad brought this VHS tape, and. Oh, we watch it at home with my friends, and everyone has their story. It's it's part of all of their biographies, but it's I I claim it's not part of any of my friends' biographies because they didn't even know who Bruce Lee was. And so I I really got interested in you know engaging more and finding out what who is Bruce Lee, you know, mm-hmm. for my um, colleagues uh, at the university or for my students. I mean, some of the in terms of film studies, cultural studies, so that the people I respect most and know most about mm. these martial arts films are women. We've got Megan Morris, Gina Marchetti. And, yeah. And, uh, and the, but they have area studies. No, no, no. They're in the cultural studies. Yeah. And they have to associate with Hong Kong. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there's there's lots of, but maybe that's the terrain, it's the academic terrain as opposed to the podcast world, which chose to be yeah. driven. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So I, I, what I initially wanted to say is probably that we should do a podcast, you know, inviting women to talk about what you think about Bruce Lee, you know, to learn about it. Did your mom give you a beer <laughs> when you were? Well, it's funny you should mention it because one of, uh, last year, one of my students mm. who wanted to write about Bruce Lee, it was uh, a girl um, mm. and a young woman, and so she was passionate, passionate. She had obviously the dad story oh, as well, yeah. but she knew everything about Bruce Lee mm. and would, she would just come to my office and can we talk about Bruce Lee? She said, yeah. Yes, come on. <laughs> we can talk about Bruce Lee again. Um, but yeah, I think the dad story is probably the yeah. kids today. How, how did you do your dad talk about Bruce Lee? Um, yeah, my, my dad practiced karate, so uh, there wasn't a lot of art special in the family. Oh, he never showed me the movies because he thought it was a little bit too green. Yeah. Because there was people dying. Um, but uh, I felt about Bruce Lee, yes, wasn't that big of a topic. Like, then. No, we is it. You know, I remember how that my dad also told me, not told me about Bruce but he mentioned it. The green. Um, and. I really got to know him through memes. I mean, yeah. 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 Quotes from Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what true quotations about Bruce <laughs> Don't think. So how was it for you? Did you do you have the VHS tape story? And my parents were not saying true. And I'll try to support Paul Barry. Hold it. So, okay. But, um, not going to another topic, but um, I, uh, I want to remind of one scene in the end of the reading that a motive for Bruce to to fight is his sister. Yeah, no. yeah. So, yeah, this is a pretty strong scene that she fights off as a Asian woman, yeah. and after that, when she sees, okay, I'm losing, she basically does harakiri. So, one scene. Should say, sir. This is one scene, and uh, talking about and that really the suit killed, of course. So, yeah. Is Kill Bill a movie which mothers and fathers show their kids? So this is a strong woman. Mm-hmm. This I don't know. It's... Maybe slept when the... there wasn't press when the sister was really and fought back. I thought and um, when the the scene began, I thought that um yeah, well she would do nothing and just surrender or go to court or something, but she she began to hit and I was really impressed. I mean, I thought she she could easily get away. I mean, why did she, you know, run into this building and started moving the stools and benches from left to right? And it was like, no. Oh. <laughs> well, why do you think it was Stevenson's movie? Because um, that's he's an agent. It would have been sufficient for his motive to fight against mom. Mm-hmm. So why this personal connection and anywhere about this sister? What? He himself has any connection with his sister. Yeah. Why is this in his movie? Because I mean, I think that Bruce Lee plays this kind of um, that orientalized monk thing where he doesn't have any because he's a shadowed monk, so he embodies that, and he embodies the life. But he's got so you know you. Mm. Um, so those are the two things that he 
that, um, that motivating. And I think that personal guy eventually, it even has the flashback to in the my case, who is this killing us? I want to kill someone. So he has to kill Aura for the personal reasons. And that's why it's really passionate. And when he kills Helen, it's just like, well, that's business. Yeah. You're offended. Sure. You have offended. To Shaolin Temple business. In fact, I'm like, this is Steve. What? Probably, but yeah. <laughs> it's also maybe the most intense Patriot uh, yeah. expression he makes mm-hmm. after, after killing him. This. Yeah. Um, actually, now that you mentioned the uh, scene with Angela Mao, there was one thing I noticed that um, occurs much often in other martial arts movies, the, the ordinary folks and how they position themselves vis-a-vis the fighting martial artists. You know, we saw the women uh, on the upper floor and she realized that Angela Mao was, you know, flee from mm. the guys running away and she closed the windows. And um, during last semester's film cycle with my students, we always discussed the role of the ordinary folks. Because um, usually they just, you know, stand by, watch what's going on, don't do anything, are mesmerized. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder if you have any, you know, thing to say about the relationship between the hero and the ordinary folks. Because in the other Bruce Lee movies, there's more ordinary folks that, you know, either wants to learn martial arts to defend themselves or mm. do nothing. I mean, Bruce Lee always... in. He's always an individual. He'll, he'll be, he's, he's the hero for the group, the people, the, the migrants, the workers, the, the gene school, but he does it on his own and he'll yeah. do it against, against their wishes. So he's got that individualism as well, but the, the head and moral or ethical under, and yeah, it's, it's something of this Western hero, isn't it? Like the, 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 the gunslinger who comes to town and helps the, or would you say that this is something something different? Well, no, different. I mean, I don't actually think about. I once saw a, um, a once saw a lecture about um, those two Eastwood films, the High Plain Street of films, and it was by someone called Bonnie Honig, and it was doing a deconstruction. So Shaq Barrett was there, <laughs> um, and she was talking about like Clint Eastwood is someone who comes into the community, purges the violence, but he has to leave mm. because. You can't have someone like that in the community. Like the cavalry has to go because they can't be in charge. And Bruce Lee's a bit like, it's almost like he has to die at the end of of this feud because his entire approach to it is completely anathema to community itself. It's like, screw your rules. I'm going to go and kill the Japanese. Um, Yeah, I I think that it is very kind of Clint Eastwood and very solo and no one Hero. Yeah. So the YouTube uh, original renews speak of Clint Eastwood. So like the Chamorro movies with Toshiro Mifuna, like he's always still running. He, mm. he has no clan. He has no family. He has no name. You yeah, yeah. Name. So this is a normal standard guy who doesn't belong to society. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about for some reason Slab was just No. The real is precise. And so on and so on. But but we're talking hero, I think, here, right? We're yeah. talking heroes. And Bruce Lee is a hero in his mouthpiece, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Sold it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's um, stay with this topic for a bit longer and let's um, switch a bit the perspective um, to... How Bruce Lee is viewed um, as a Chinese, Chinese representative, or if, if 
at all. Uh, um, well, I, I, I think this is particularly interesting because what is Chinese and what is China, right? What are we talking about when we say China? We mean mainland China with, you know, all its regions. Which they are definitely not Chinese. The last dynasty was not Chinese. It was Mantu. Um, uh, so what is it when we talk about China? What about overseas Chinese? What about Taiwan? What about Hong Kong? What about Macau? Yeah. So where is this China that we're talking about? And is it only an imagination? that we keep in mind as, you know, Westerners, like some orientalized China full of wisdom. But uh, there is one um, thing that happened recently. I, uh, I don't know when exactly the Quentin Tarantino movie came out, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And yeah, 2019. And Bruce Lee, he was part of this movie. And, you know, he was uh, shown as a pretty arrogant guy talking a lot of, you know, non nonsense in the end. It seemed not the real thing he was doing there. And then there was a fight and he, Red Tweet, smashed him, you know, into the car. And then it ends, right? Someone interrupts the scene. And obviously, um, Chinese overseas were not happy with how Bruce Lee uh, was shown in this movie, right? And even in mainland China, in online forums, they discussed that this was not okay and Bruce Lee was not like this and stuff like that. So there seems to be some association of, you know, being Bruce Lee being Chinese, but in fact, it's not as easy. So, um, but especially in this movie, it seems like for me, it's like a racist payback. So the Brad Pitt character, the Western stunt guy, you know, the Caucasian, and we take it back again to uh, the Asian guy. So what Bruce Lee did for the Asian community will now is rewired, right? So this like protection. So reclaim of yeah. martial proficiency yeah, by Western people. What do you guys think? Why did he lose in the so like he didn't lose? Um, yeah, it was a draw. It was a draw. Apparently, apparently Tarantino wanted um, to beat him, and apparently Brad Pitt said, "I'm not going to beat Bruce Lee. Mm. Right? I'm just not going to do that." So that's why I decided to interrupt. But Tarantino does do payback, symbolic payback, in his own sort of like um, Kill Bill. Is symbolic pay is Bruce Lee because he's you know uh, Bruce Lee killing um, Dave Carradine. That's getting get, getting revenge on yeah. Dave Carradine for the the dash yeah. or combat with Yeah, I was going to say something else. But, but there's there's one other aspect that um, is closely related to this image of the sick man of East Asia. I would say because China was labeled as the sick man of East Asia. Um, at, towards the end of the Qing dynasty. And so um, I remember uh, screening um, just a few here at, um, in my course with my students. And really, like some of the students from mainland China, they were really touched and, and really celebrated the moment when Bruce Lee smashed the sign, you know, natural being full. With and kick, right? With a kick, yeah. Oh, well, and, 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 and the guys in the Japanese dojo had to eat the paper it was um, written on, right? Oh, no, no. It's so he's, he's keeping the sign off the wall, which yeah. is no dance in China. I guess that's the part. He, he, um, he just he's just smashes it, doesn't he? he no, he, 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 well, he took up the and then he jumps. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So as they could, the door, there's, two, there's two signs. There's thick man evasion mm. and no dogs in Chinese. Yeah, like. He kicks the no dogs and Chinese about off the yeah. wall and then kicks it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that he takes that and kicks it again. Yeah, the wall and then but, 
but both moments are really significant in how you know China sees its own history, how China writes its own history, as you kind of the experience of humiliation during the Opium Wars, and also this is some sort of imagined Chineseness or national myth, you know, that that um, feeds into Bruce Lee representing some Chineseness or representing China and ending the the problem of being labeled the sick man of East Asia. I think that's that's very kind of it's that was something that was possible for Hong Kong filmmakers to do in the nineteen seventies yeah. and nineteen ninety seven to in fact a very long way away. Mm. Mm. And the you know the return of, of I don't even know when they made that decision to seven. But anyway. So so the, there was a kind of there was there was like a longing for repatriation with them because the British were the problem. But then as 1997 gets closer, then you start to see Hong Kong force become really quite agitated about mm. what actually pragmatically is this, is this going to mean for us? Mm. So, yeah. so that symbolic Chinese ethno-nationalism, speaking to sort of Chinese everywhere, mm. based on... Definitely. But, but with Bruce Lee, it's, it's ever-changing. So during the protests in Hong Kong, when young people uh, took to the streets to protest against, you know, the reforms that um, make Hong Kong part of mainland China, they also use Bruce Lee, his kind of words, his colors. So they put up posters in, in black and yellow saying, be like water. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, you know... And and also the, the Chinese government produced this Bruce Lee TV series for the Olympics when he speaks Mandarin Chinese, which he never spoke indeed. So it seems like, you know, they are trying to use him you know, for some sort of purpose or um, um, ideology, ideological reasons. But it, it's, it's you know, he's sometimes here and sometimes there. Mm. You know, I think Bruce Lee is emotionally yeah. or ideologically in lots of ways. That the making of that that long military television series in China about his adventures. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, see, I actually think that the kind of the Ip Man series of films was was about symbolically reuniting PRC, and then also the whiskey advert where he speaks where the, the old Johnny Walker. Yeah, yeah. John. Was, yeah. Um, so there's you know every representation of him is in some sense. They're like Dragon, the Bruce Lee story is about, it's, a, it's like 20 years after Bruce Lee died. It's Hollywood reclaiming Bruce Lee as their own Hollywood kind of sin. Terribly sorry for being racist in the 70s and everything. Um, and then you'll see what the Ang Lee film comes out. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Yeah. And that that brings us to, uh, to our last topic, um, which is smart martial arts movies after Bruce Lee. So what what can we expect of um, martial aesthetics in movies for the future? Or is there probably a future for Kung Fu movies, classical Kung Fu movies or not? So what's your take on that? What what would you say? And the thing is all the constellations, isn't it? So there's always a the different genre of film available. I think that, so, you know, if you look at, Say Shang Chi, um, and it's it's it tried on the one hand it's incredibly multicultural and sort of aggressive and multilinguistic and um, multilingual rather and but then it's also kind of hyper orientalist in the in the Talo scenes this magical kingdom yeah. 
and it, it, it harks back to to older sort of wuxia styles of, of, of quite mm. um and then yeah well I, I had a bit of a discussion about this that, mm. that, um because I, I basically lined up um fight scene uh with Goldar in my grandmaster and the Talo mm. fight scene and it's it's, it's like it's totally young in both of them and yeah and the Hollywood version is much more orientalist and not very good. And I, and I was in a compare and contrast. And um, uh, Jane Holtz was in the audience. It's going to actually be that, that, the, that other film there, newer one, the, the model one, is in many ways closer to the style of choreography that you see in the old. Um, um, yeah, so I think there'll always be a market for that. And you've got people like Wong Kar Wai go back and make these mm. martial arts films. Yeah. And Lee makes martial arts films. And, um, but then you've got at the terrible end of the scale, the sort of Marvel. Yeah. Um, which is... Uh, but there was also this Iron Fist series, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a Netflix document, a documentary about the history of choreography in martial arts films and stunts. I can't remember what it's called now. But I that Iron Ar- Fist... And I think yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Something. And the argument in that is that the best fight scenes are always going to be made where there's the least legislation. So it's going to be, you know, you're developing. It's going to be Africa. It's going to be global south where they would, yeah, yeah, made the film. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Bring it on. Lower well. <laughs> <laughs> Just tidy up before you leave. <laughs> if, but, the, what? What? The... <laughs> So there's two things like I have to ask you or come up with. One is like when when we watched all the martial arts movies in last year's film course, my students were pretty much occupied with saying, you know, well, but there's animals in the movie, and also in the Enter the Dragon. What about the cobra? You know, yeah. who took care of the cobra's needs and the other yeah. animals' needs? And and the cat was put in the guillotine. I mean, this scene was yeah, I mean, the cat didn't get hurt, but the cobra. I mean, uh, and so this is uh, one concern uh, for these martial arts movies. And the other one is, um, <laughs> because you say, you know, you go to the um, areas where there's not so much legislation regarding, you know, how to do, how to do a movie. And the other thing is, what do you think about everything, everywhere, all at once? Um, is this uh, a kind of a martial art movie? Is it not a martial art? What is this? And is this something that, not very good. I don't know. I had to turn it off after like 30 minutes because, wow. yeah, it was too, like, it was too crazy for me. I would give it another try probably, but uh, I watched it over like four nights because I had to keep turning it up too often. I see. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it's a pity that Jackie Chan did it. That's the I was watching yeah. the first fight scene. I'm going, okay. So what do they call it? A bomb bag, or a, in America, it's called it a fanny pack. Or yeah, I don't know what it is. It, yeah. in German was. And so you, you know, know uh, so he starts to use it as a yeah. cue, and he got, "Oh, this is okay." <laughs> and then, like five minutes later, and we sound like, "Well, that's one joke." Mm. What's the next joke? What's the next prop? What's the next? Yeah, and it's like this: you're a one joke fight scene. Like this is it. And to me, I mean, I think that intellectually it was, epic. and it was. <laughs> You know, it was dreamed up by, it felt like it was dreamed up by a couple of like teenage stoners. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a multiverse. Could you imagine if Jack and Janet lived in a multiverse? But it was a representation of the tensions between, you know, a mother-daughter couple who were migrants. I really like how the explosiveness of this relationship and how they 
put it on stage. All the crazy emotions symbolized with these weird sausage fingers and flying things. And, um, so I really enjoyed this. And also I enjoyed how um, they owned this kind of laundry, you know, and how ordinary they were as migrants, but how much went on within, you know, themselves. And they had never articulated anything about it. And so I really liked the setting and I enjoyed it. Very hard to have all the side. But it's one of my toughers. This movie has the circle. So everything is going in circles. Yeah. There are always circles going on. Yeah. And even the fight sequences, they do a lot of circling stuff and they the one in the scene when the guy gets the thing in his buttons and yeah. also the circuit. So even the fighting's um the characteristics of the different characters are written with martial arts. And that that is a I think a, a recent development that martial arts are used to flesh out the character traits. And maybe it started with Avatar, the not the James Cameron thing, but the series. Yeah. So the the tire guys and the Shaolin style and they are bad and uh, mean and then the water guys who want to sound healing and so on so it's more the inner side so to to combine specific martial arts or specific martial arts traits with the characteristic of the characters this is I really enjoyed this mother thought of conflict being then becoming a martial arts fantasy but there's I mean there's a there's a I think that's there's a long tradition of mm of these mother-daughter diasporic second yeah. generation. So you've got pushing hands, there's the jolly book, yeah. there's um, turning red, mm. there's everything everywhere all at once. Mm. But then before that, you've got, go back to Bruce Lee, you've got rapid fire, which is Brandon Lee mm. being, being Asian-American mm. and his dad stood for something and he doesn't know what he's down mm. for. And like Gina Marquette's analysis of the the weird semiotics of being Asian American yeah. um, and having to stand for something, but not just wanting to be left alone. And yeah. um, I think that was a, that's another one about like, there's a, there's a, there's a theme, isn't there? About second generation. Yeah, what is like right, ultra right? And, and, and we really are missing this here in Germany. You know, there should be many more movies about Asian or Chinese, you know, migrants or yeah you know or the young generation being born here and how they you know engage with their lives but maybe the new kung fu movie made in berlin will be part of all of this yeah, yeah. and the the sunburn bunker for john wick there but nearly all of them have migrated so i need to catch up with my yeah Chen, so you know that um michelle yield still the scene and many of the movies she did with mm. uh, Jackie Chan and so I think this is a good decision not to integrate Jackie Chan to mm. this movie where Michelle Yeoh for herself that mm. a woman can show her skills yeah. no I thought that that Michelle Yeoh was amazing in the film despite like I watched it because I was, uh, <laughs> it's a bit like this is like the exact opposite Keanu Reeves like Keanu Reeves has been in some good films despite him <laughs> like the films are great but he's in them but like Michelle Yeoh is in some crap but she elevates I think we should like screen. But I, want, I, I wanted to um, <laughs> just thinking about rapid fire, mm. and I remember watching that and the card, the fight choreography blew my mind because it was it was pitched as Jeet Kune, it was essentially Jeet Kune Do. It was like weapons of convenience. You know, he throws a, a, a tray of knives and forks and spoons at a guy. He's kicking door shut and he's he's moving the way that Bruce Lee moved doing his Jeet Kune Do. Um, but you watch it again now, and it's a bit like, meh. 
but that that's what always happens when it comes to choreography. So like you know, you know, these these I've got to position you as kids today. <laughs> kids today and looking at this, looking at the fight choreography at End of the Dragon, I'm probably gonna go I remember I made my daughter watch Breakdance the movie, 1983. I think it was released also as Breaking or whatever it was called. And I made her watch it. She sat there going, eh. because the programs about dancing have moved on yeah. since 1983. And what made our heads explode then? He's walking backwards. He's making a sweeping brush dance and like doing this with his arms. And it's just it, things move on. And this is like, um, you know, Peter Sloterdijk talks about this. Like, we think we've conquered a summit, but then it becomes a base camp. Yeah. So that's inevitably going to be the, the future of martial arts co-op. It has to somehow get more or get different or explore other vistas and terrains. I don't know. Oh, we, we had some discussions on realness. Maybe like the second question was about being real. And how, my students said, like, they're really like the realness of it all. And I really enjoyed watching things that were real. And for sure they knew because there was no CGI and, and there were no wires used in this movie. It was obvious. And I said, it's good to see only the real stuff. Definitely. Yeah. This is this is also some uh, thing that I'm missing uh, a bit in in like contemporary martial arts movies. There are always this very fast cut scenes, you know, mm -hmm. and then the camera is shaking all the time. No, Basically, you cannot see anything that's happening. So David Bordwell writes mm -hmm. about if you about this a long time ago. He talks about the difference between Hong Kong action, mm -hmm. like Jackie Chan, yeah. and American stuff, like Lethal Weapon. In the American stuff, there's this, so you can't see yeah. yeah. about it. And then in the in the Hong Kong stuff, it'd be crisp and clear, so you yeah. relish long shot, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but also, I mean, so Leon Hunt was written about uh, who sees fight choreography, and he talks about the different. Different forms of authenticity in a in martial arts films. So, like Bruce Lee has a kind of I can't remember what Leon calls it, but some kind of a physical embodied authenticity, which you believe that it's real. But if you then were to watch something like The Grand Master, Wong Kar Wai, yeah. there's a it's like a hype and real authenticity because they're doing Bagua and they're doing um, Wing Chun and they're doing the other martial arts that are. And they're doing them perfectly the way that a kata on four would be done. But then that, that very perfection makes you think that's not real. But it's, it is a kind of authenticity mm. because it's, that's what Baigua looks like. And that's how it would work in a fight. I mean, if that was the good cinematic universe we lived in. So these different types of authenticity mm. um, abound. Yeah, definitely. And, and nothing of it is authentic or real. In 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 fact, I mean, these islands, if into the dragon, it's all in the artificial, you know. And and also the stories are set in artificial environments. Although we say that kung fu our movies are real, more real than Usha. Um, it's like you know people have guns, and this is always in some of the times it's a pun, yeah, because they know they can't fight bullets in the end. So there needs to be an artificiality. About kung fu, I'm sort of. I don't. I, don't, I can't imagine to have the the, the real kung fu. Like, yes, cars. I mean, boom. You get to fight car. You can do more sorts of kung fu. Yeah, that. I mean, when you talk, when you're talking about that, I just remember the John Wick film again. Mm. I remember the kind of the homage it pays to the gun fu 
stuff. Yeah. And it, it's like a really good development at that style. Right. So like if, if martial arts films have to get rid of the problem of guns, so yeah. no guns on hands, I yeah. any damn fool can pull a trigger. <laughs> um, but but if we take that and go, there are guns, now what happens? That happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The John Wick um, right. it takes that John Woo tradition in equilibrium, you also see this with the with the gun cutter, right? Do you remember that one? Yeah. It's like this Matrix style movie with Christian Bale and this um, uh, dystopian uh, society where there are this clerics or how they call it. there's something like like agents or policemen or whatever something, and, and they are specialized in. Gummy cutters, so they do like this martial art choreography, these cutters, but with with guns, right? And they are designed uh, to to be like most efficient and hit as more as many targets in, in, in the shortest period of time and everything. It's great. It's really, really entertaining. You watched this, but you didn't finish everything everywhere, not at no. once. I mean, well, I said I would give it another try, right. but, but but at that evening I tried to watch it. It was just too much on my mind. I couldn't. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> All right. So um, I'd say um, we had a pretty decent discussion. We we covered um, a lot of interesting topics, um, and it's a good. Uh, closure for our Bruce Lee workshop today. <laughs>